0: Hello and welcome to another episode of 99 problems but a boss ain't one, the podcast that solves your freelance problems one at a time. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Michelle. I'm the owner of Dive Deeper Development, a personal development and management training company.
1: And I'm your other host, Katie Carlisle, and my business name is Squarespace Queen, and I help people create lovely websites through web design and training.
0: And today we are going to start with a topic that should have been our first episode. Oops. So yeah, we're quite far in and we <laughs> totally forgot until yesterday, we we're in the pub, that we haven't actually done an episode on how to literally get started. So we've done lots of topics about overcoming posture syndrome or how to get paid or some of the early stages, but I mean literally physically how to trade. I've been coaching some people over the last year or so who are trying to set up a business. And I've been finding myself, sending, finding myself sending out this information. And it didn't occur to me that those actual, oh my God, blank page, where do I start, would be a thing. And it's really, really simple. It's far less complicated than people imagine it to be. And there's far fewer steps than you think to get started. So Katie and I would probably advise uh, just get started. Yeah, and it literally, you can do that. So today, we're just going over some some basics about things to think about and more importantly the priority order in which you need to get them done which is not typically how people think about it. Um, I mean Katie look we won't talk about ourselves too much here but how did you get started I mean, literally physically what was the start point for you?
1: So literally I handed in my notice to my previous job but I agreed to work quite a long notice period. That weekend I did everything in like a day so I registered for hmrc so i was kind of officially a sole trader and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute i bought a domain name i set up a website i set up an email account for myself registered my social media handles did did everything wow that's amazing yeah to just and and i think it's i think that's not and this is what we're going to talk about today that's not everything you have to do to get started and i think i just wanted to feel kind of official and obviously because my focus was websites or kind of tech in general at that point it was important for me to have some kind of online presence but when i say i did a website it was literally one page so it's very very simple yeah what about you michelle
0: i mean literally i i took voluntary redundancy uh from the company i was working with and i didn't want to drop off the books for tax purposes so i literally I, but i knew i wanted to run a business so i li- literally just went on hrmc's website website and then registered with an account, so I, you know, I was I was visible to whoever Big Brother was that I was, you know, <laughs> not just shirking off my tax responsibilities. But the rest took quite quite some time, actually. The business name came fairly quickly actually that took a lot of work i put a lot of effort into that but actually trading took a took a little while so everything else just followed for quite some time and i guess that's part of what we're going to cover today you know there's certain things you need to do but a lot of stuff you can take a bit more time
1: over yeah absolutely and actually it hmrc and for anyone who doesn't know i mean you probably have heard of hmrc it's who you pay your tax to if you're employed, um, they actually make it really easy for you to get started. You don't actually have to do anything in, in in order to actually start making money. And it's only when you actually get to a certain threshold that you even need to register with them. So if you're just doing the odd 200 quid project here and there throughout the year, you might not even need to officially register as a sole trader. And there's quite a lot of different words that are bandied about, so it's probably useful for us to clarify some of those. So freelancer, self-employed, sole trader... Contractor. Yeah, any of those are, are pretty much the only... that They're pretty much the same thing. HMRC refer to you as a sole trader if you are not a limited company and you are someone who is earning money through doing a business. You are the business. You are, you are the business, basically. But... You can earn up to a thousand pounds in a tax year without having to register so if it's something where you've just got a craft business that you're just starting off, you don't even have to do anything in terms of actually telling anybody that you're doing that business until you've made a thousand pounds. If you think you're gonna probably earn more than that if it's you know if your aim is to do a full time freelancer, then it's probably worth you registering pretty quickly after you get started because it can take a little while to. If you need to get stuff through the post. I think nowadays they probably do everything electronically, but in terms of getting access to the online system and everything, you will need that at the point when you actually do file your tax return. But again, you have a while before you need to do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's start at the beginning, Katie. So, for example, one of the things I do is coaching. Maybe you're a yoga teacher or as Katie said, you just started designing websites or doing graphic design or you've started selling products. So let's start at the beginning. Katie, I would probably say the first thing you should probably do out of all the things you need to do to run a business is to start trading. Yeah, Literally start charging people for your services. Um, A lot of people put these artificial barriers in oh it's a bit scary owning my own business so uh, when I've done this I'll be a business when I've set up my website I'll be a business it's like no no just start and I really wish that I'd done that a lot sooner I could have charged people for coaching I didn't have to leave my job and then do it I could have taken on the odd coaching client alongside my day job and start getting in that mindset of charging so start telling people about your services start people telling people you're going to start a business and get into that habit of charging because you can take in money and you don't need um, anything else
1: really to begin with, as Katie's just explained. You don't even need a business name. So I think that's a big barrier for some people. Is like, OK, well, I need to decide on my business name beforehand. And you can just trade as your own name to start with. And you may even want to continue doing that. If, you know, if you're going to be a consultant or something and you want to kind of just actually be your name and you're not planning on taking on any employees or anything, then using your own name is fine and you can always change it with, HMRC if you register with your name and you then want to trade as a business name you can just tell them that and it's absolutely fine so don't let that be a barrier to starting of thinking about business name just trade as your name and as Michelle said actually start earning money I know one thing that people get a little bit scared about is actually how to get the money so invoicing if you haven't done it before and asking for money can be quite scary. And that is probably the first thing that actually makes you a freelancer is you send an invoice and someone pays you or you sell a product and someone pays you. So if you're selling products, say you've got like a, you're a freelance craft maker and you're selling products, that's a bit easier because you may be using Etsy or something like that to sell things through. People are just kind of coming to you and giving you money. But if you are delivering services, then you're probably gonna need to send an invoice. And I remember the first time I did an invoice, I was really scared. I was like, what What am I supposed to put on it? How do I send a proper invoice? And you can just keep it really simple to start with. Literally, you can just use a Word document or some people use a spreadsheet, but I, I found a Word document was fine. And you just need to put various details like your name, your address, their name. I don't even think you need their address on the no, invoice. I do to begin with, yeah. You, you can put it you know, contact details, what you're invoicing for, so what service have you delivered? And even the wording on that, like, I struggled to be like, what what am I supposed to say? Because sometimes you see really formal invoices, and they're like, for the pursuant of the service of rendered blah, blah, blah. And And like, you know, if I send an invoice, I say creation of website.
0: Yeah. Like literally,
1: I keep it really simple. One time's coaching session yeah. <laughs> or a half day uh, workshop. Yeah, I mean, literally. But yeah, People usually like to put the date and then there's yes, a project the date, name yeah. so they know what they're paying for. Some people might ask for a purchase order on there as well. So if you're working with a larger organisation, they might need something to authorise the payment of the invoice and that's where purchase order comes in. If you need one of those, the organisation will normally tell you. And then that's just another line to add on the invoice, probably underneath um probably around where your kind of invoice number is so i would also put an invoice number on so you can keep track of it and that's helpful for them to put as a payment reference as well so yeah. Um, the the other main details you need are your, your bank details. So where yeah, so, they should so send they invite. can actually
0: pay you. And you might want to put an invoice number on as well. Yeah. And one of the things I did, Katie, and I didn't need to do it because I was embarrassed, but I did it anyway. You don't have to start your invoice at number one. So if you want to no. <laughs> appear like you're a little more established than you are, you can start your invoicing numbers at invoice, you know, one hundred and twenty seven. Yeah,
1: and like I have a format which is basically like a kind of abbreviation of my business name and then numbers. I think it's like SQ for Squarespace Queen. And then like, yeah, 136 or whatever is my invoice number. It's fine. So these are basics.
0: But look, Katie mentioned a Word document. I think I found a template in Word. So if you have a Windows laptop or PC, literally, when you go into Excel, uh, you will find an invoice template as one Mm -hmm. of their predetermined templates. Failing that, you can just go along and find
1: any template and pretty much submit it. I would suggest saving it as a PDF. Uh, and send it as a PDF so So it's then in the format that you're sending it in and if you've put it in like a table or anything it's not going to get messed up or anything like that that's a good tip but there are also various bits of software that you can use to easily send invoices but again we're talking about how to get started in a really basic way especially if you're just trialing it and you're not sure you're definitely going to carry on with freelancing then literally keep it simple. You can always switch to like a fancy invoicing tool at a later date, but you don't need it to get started. Yeah, but that's good, Casey. Like
0: I say, I started with an Excel spreadsheet and when people said, send me your... So I did the work for a month and like, send us your invoice at the end of the month. I was like... "Ah." And I asked a friend of mine, who was who was done consulting. He said, Michelle, it's just a bit of paper. So it sounds like this big technical thing, but I could not get my head around. Like I do whereas before I got a pay slip, I couldn't get my head around. Like you do some work, you send this magic bit of paper or this magical digital document saying, Please give me some money and they the money appears in your bank account. It's it's like that's all an invoice is. It's literally yeah. saying, You owe me and then it's like an IOU, IOU, yeah. IOU, and then they just send you the cash. It works. You send, you send, these, <laughs> you
1: send these documents to people and they send you money. So, and I would say as well, like, one step you have to do before you send an invoice is you do need to decide what you're going to charge for the services. Yeah. And I think we have done an episode we have. about how Early to decide doors. what to charge. So if, if that's something that you're feeling a bit nervous about, go and have a look in the archives, and we've got an episode that talks about that. Um, so we're not going to go into huge detail about that now but you know it's very tempting to do stuff for free when you first start out and there is some value in doing that potentially but I would say it's useful to charge a bit of a nominal amount even if you don't even if you kind of want to do it for free charge a little bit of a nominal amount so that the person you're working with has got a bit of skin in the game because sometimes if you do things for free then they don't value it as much and you'll find they don't give you the attention that you need to be able to deliver the work. And there's a psychological hurdle to you charging for your services yeah. as well which helps you. and so- actually in terms of asking for money, the place I used to work was really good at kind of teaching me that because it's quite a difficult skill I think sometimes. So, you know, like uh, I I say things like because actually getting to the point of deliver the work, it feels kind of awkward I think if you've not done it before to actually ask for the money. Things so, like are you happy for me to invoice now? Or even just like that's great. We finished this work. I'll send over the invoice. Um, and I say to people, I charge 50% upfront and 50% when it goes live, and I've never had anyone have a problem with that. So. Yeah,
0: and it's expected to. It's a big deal for you, um, and it feels great. That's a nice feeling when you get your first invoice yeah. paid. So look, just to recap though, look, we, we've said that f- So first of all, start trading, so start charging for your services. And we've talked a little bit about invoicing, so actually getting the money, or getting the money in through some other system. As Katie said, there are other systems, but literally, don't let it be a barrier, just send your invoice or get your money in for a PayPal account or something and that's you started. As we've already mentioned you should, if you are going to be a sole trader or you are going to work as self employed, you will have to register with HMRC at some point and that point according to the gov.uk website at the moment is if you've uh, when you get to the point where you earn £1,000 in a tax year. So you'll need to register with HRMC, HMRC which I always get right <laughs> but that's it. So that, I mean that is literally it if you have a goods or services and you take money for them in some way and you get to that point where you need to start registering a self-employed and you register with HMRC, that literally
1: is the bare minimum, isn't it? Yeah. That, that's it. I'm and paying... it doesn't cost anything to register. No. So if you're a limited company, it's a bit different. Um, we can talk in a little bit about the difference between being a sole trader and a limited company. But certainly to start off, we're talking about literally how do you get started. The easiest way is to register for free with HMRC once you've earned the £1,000 in that tax year. Yeah. And the tax year is the 6th of April to the 5th of April every year. Yeah, and personally,
0: I like I say, I registered straight away. So Same. I would say do it sooner rather than later. It's just a little bit easier than waiting. But that's, that's the bare minimum. So people can't believe that's it, how you get started. Now, there are some other considerations. So, Casey, the other one I'd say, although you can say, oh, just register as self-employed and start charging there may be other things that your job requires you to do. So one of these is insurance, for example. So I've mentioned coaching um, or training consultancy. For those, I need public liability insurance. uh, If I am, if people are coming to my house or I'm doing it somewhere public, that's probably a good idea. But I absolutely need professional indemnity insurance. Now, don't worry about that too much. You can Google it and find out what it is. But if you're doing some sort of consultancy, basically, um, it's if someone accuses you of misadvising them, then that's covered. A lot of companies will want you to have that or they won't work on a project with you. So check what the insurances are for your business. I've coached people who are bin cleaners, who are nail technicians, who are all these different things. Each industry will have its own insurances. But if you look online, you can normally find that for sole traders, there is industry specific insurance and that's normally better value for money. Uh, if you rather than going to one of the big
1: insurers and yeah my insurance is with dinghy who are a freelance insurer specialist so they're not just generic business insurance one of the things that's nice about them is they allows you allow you to pause your insurance if you're not working so if it's something where you're just doing a contract for three months but then you're not doing a contract for another three months then you can just pause your insurance and you're still covered for the times that you were working so things like that are quite useful yeah. so check the insurance requirements like i say public liability
0: is needed for some but not all things and it, you can usually get it at a very reasonable cost but i think it's probably worth
1: checking what your industry yes recommends or requires and actually you mentioned industry and this is another non-essential thing but something that might be worth looking into in the sort of fairly early days of starting is actually industry associations because they have a wealth of information for people who are just starting out, and they've got a lot of advice for people who are working in that industry. So there's a freelance association called Ipsy, that's IPSE. That's I P S E. It stands for Independent Professionals and the Self Employed. They're a general freelance one, but if you're in a, a particular industry, then there might be an association that is specifically there for you. And they sometimes have benefits, like you get a free bank account if you start, if you if you um, sign up for a membership with them or, you know, free access to, like, different invoicing tools or sometimes they have, like, a contract review service if, you know, if you wanted to get contracts in place. And um, normally a network of other people and, and do the exactly same job. Exactly, network of people, way to connect, connect with people, potentially, you know, get some professional development, things like that. So, again, it's not an essential and it's not something that should stop you from actually cracking on and getting going but they can have some good deals so it's worth looking into industry associations to see. If yeah. it's worth doing that's a, that's a good tip actually Katie because some of these things cost
0: money and to begin with you might not want to but I've come across a lot of people who set up as, as sole traders to begin with and they don't seek out anyone else in their industry or they don't create a network of other people doing the same thing and we've, we've talked about this on other podcasts about you know make friends with the competition actually some people are really stubborn and they don't want to talk but you'll find a lot of very enthusiastic people who have already walked that path and people are almost too keen
1: sometimes to give their advice <laughs> Yeah, we have done a podcast about the advice avalanche of yeah. like, how to deal with well-meaning people giving you conflicting information. But don't reinvent the wheel. Like you don't have to figure this stuff. There's
0: probably a website or somebody out there somewhere who could tell you how to get started. Yeah. So take the advice with a pinch of salt. It was probably what they did but um, it could give you some good tips. Now, um, we've mentioned registering, we've mentioned insurance, and you mentioned their bank account, Katie. Um, As I said, one of the other things you are not compelled to do, but it's a really bloody good idea to do it, is have a separate bank account for your earnings, um, even if you're doing it part-time, even before you've registered. Just keep that, if you think that that's going to be your freelance business, keep that money separate in a a different account. Um, They say you should have a business bank account, they can be quite good because they don't charge you any fees for the first couple of years. They sometimes offer other services, a bit like the one Katie's already, already described, such as, um, you know, business advice or co-working spaces. However, you can, if the bank doesn't mind it or the bank don't notice it, um, have a, a, just an individual personal
1: bank account. And some sole traders just
0: do that. Yeah. The key I thing think is, technically
1: hey, you'll find in the terms and conditions it probably says... It's not allowed to use a personal account for commercial work, but I don't think anyone would ever notice or do anything about it unless...
0: The worst case, I mean, I would recommend getting a business bank account, which yeah. is what I did. But um, the main thing is keep, and the reason why we say this is just keep it separate. So HMRC, when you do your tax return, um, they really, really do, very strongly prefer you to have your money separate. So it's much easier to do your tax return and
1: to establish what your earnings actually
0: are. It's easier for you too
1: to keep it separate. Yeah. yeah, like I started off just taking money into my personal account and that, I wish I'd got a business account sooner Because it was just always a massive pain to then go through the bank statements and work out, okay, what was a business expense? What was a personal expense? And it's just so much easier if you have a a separate bank account. And actually, Michelle and I are both with the same business bank, uh, which is called Coconuts. There is a fee for using the the banking service. It's it's very app-based. They do actually have a, a web version that they're, they're working on at the moment. Um, I've just been testing it out as a beta user. So there is a web version coming up, but it's it's it started off being just an app-based. So it's not a high street bank. It's not got a physical bank that you can go into. But they've got a live chat. You can speak to them. They're very responsive. Really good customer service, we've both found. And one of the things that I like about that is that when you spend money on your bank card you can automatically categorize it within the app to say what you know what type of expense was it was it consultant was it marketing and that's useful for when you are then you know submitting your expenses and doing your um, self-assessment tax return and things and just for your own information as well it's useful to be able to categorize where you're spending your money on what categories And you can also send invoices from it as well. So, again, it it just keeps everything nicely in one place and it will even give you a running estimate of your tax bill as you go along. With you yeah, well. I use the invoicing for that a lot and
0: um, I, I think, like I so say Katie, it shows you a little map of where you spent the money and you can add your own notes and photograph your receipts. So this yes. is the other thing, you don't need to uh, keep those st- stuff. I mean there are most business bank accounts, they've cotton on to this and they are offering software alongside the bank account. So again, your bookkeeping could be easier and I suppose this is the other thing we should probably mention Katie. So we've mentioned um, you know trading, invoicing, we've mentioned insurances, registering HRMC and bank accounts and the other thing is your record keeping. Um, if you go to the HMRC website, they will tell you what records you need to keep. It's not as onerous as you probably think. I mean, as a minimum, uh, just keep a record of everything that you spend on the business. and keep a record of everything that came in and what those things were for. So date, you know, what, item in, item out, what it was for, date, that will probably do you. I started on a spreadsheet before I started using the automated software. Same. Some people keep an actual physical ledger. I still know a lot of businesses that have a book. Uh, <laughs> I spoke coaching a, a couple that have a cleaning company, a DIY company, and I could say, just let me look at my book and they've actually got a physical diary. Wow. And that's fine as well. There's no rules saying you have to have Yeah, it, it doesn't have be to be
1: digital, but it also doesn't have to be physical. So you don't need to print out, you know, if you get an email confirmation of an expense, you don't you need to buy something print, on Amazon. Yeah, or you don't need to print that out. As long as you can provide the evidence of that purchase when, if HMRC were to ask for it, then that's fine. So if you have a transaction on your card, especially if it's not very descriptive, it's definitely a good idea to keep the receipt for it to explain actually what it was because there's certain things that you are allowed to claim tax back on and there's certain things that you're not allowed to claim tax back on with HMRC. So again, all of that information is available. Um, we've done an episode about getting your tax return done on time yeah. where we talk a bit more in detail about tax returns and I'm sure we've spoken about... Um, The kind of a bit more about the process of doing a tax return but the main thing to know is for tax returns you need to submit them um, by the 31st of January every year so the first tax return you do when you first start is actually the the 31st of January after your first kind of tax year so for example if you started work if you started freelancing on the 30th of September your tax year would then finish on the 5th of April And then it's not until the January after that that you need to submit a tax return. But, and this is where it's also useful to have a business bank account um, or a separate account, it's worth saving tax as soon as you get your first invoice payment.
0: Yeah, and some people have a separate savings account. Again, you can get these cheap or for free, just literally squirrel that money away in a separate account. So we won't go into that too much because uh, HR... HMRC, have a website and they do webinars and things, yeah. but they teach you to do this And the general
1: guide is if you save a be- between 20-30% to 30% of what you earn, you should have plenty of money to be able to pay back your tax, national insurance contributions, and also you'll have to pay back your student loan if you're earning over a certain amount yeah. as well.
0: And you don't need to pay an accountant if uh, you're happy to do the tax return. Um, again, we won't go too much in tax returns. We did do an episode yeah. on this, and I can't remember the number. Katie tells, the, what is the website that does it in plain English for you? Simply oh, go, go Simple Tax. Go Simple Tax. So there are websites that like that, which you pay a small fee, but you, it gives you the tax return in plain English, you input and fill the fields in the plain English form, and they translate it to the slightly less user-friendly HMRC form.
1: Although I have to say that having done my tax return this year, they've really vastly improved the process of submitting a tax return, and it's all done via the gov.uk website, whereas it used to be on the HMRC website, which was horrible. And it's it is in much clearer language. It's a nicer process now, That's so you might hear. not even need to pay for any other software. I found it was actually quite yeah. it guides you through quite nicely now. I think yeah. So you may be able to do your own tax return, particularly
0: if your business is pretty straightforward. Yes. So if you have that simple bank account, you've got pretty simple stuff going in, pretty simple stuff going out. You can do what's called um, simple um, accounting, basically, and you can probably fill it in yourself. If you really don't feel that you can fill it in yourself, there are some accountants out there that work with sole traders. And and uh, you know, charge a reasonable amount, but at least you've got the peace of mind
1: you know, and know it's done. That's up to you. Yeah, a lot of some people do like to save the money. And now, quite, just a quick note on accountants. Actually, again, if you're gonna, if you're thinking of spending money to get, um, like, in some accounting software, like, so like Zero, QuickBooks, there's various, various ones. Sage. That's the other one I was thinking of. Um, there's various accounting packages that you know you pay a monthly fee to use a lot of accountants will give you a good deal on those or it will be included in the accountant's fee so if you are thinking of of getting some bookkeeping software again that's not something you need to do straight away to get started but you might find you want to do it fairly soon just to keep track of everything Um, if you are thinking of getting an accountant speak to the accountant first because they they quite often get a good deal and they'll include a sort of bundle of accountancy and software um, and then you know that it's a software they're familiar with as well.
0: Yeah. And so like, okay, so it doesn't have to be a barrier. You can do it yourself. It depends on your comfort level or that sort of thing, but yeah. do make sure you keep good records and do it well now we we've talked we won't go into detail here about what differences between a sole trader and a a limited company but we should probably just mention it because you mentioned you do your tax return yeah Uh, i don't i have an accountant because i'm a limited company therefore i have to have an accountant a sole trader case i'm just a sole trader it's just someone who works for themselves that's it that's it really you are the business you can look this up easily online but in short it basically means you as an individual selling goods and services you are the business, um, and that's it. It means you're liable for any sort of debts that you run up or something covering your costs. Um, so people could potentially, if you got into debt, su- you know, ch- pursue you personally. Mm. But the advantages are it's nice and easy. Uh, it's very straightforward, and it's very easy to keep track of. I think life was simpler when I was a sole trader. Mm. The, the, you, a lot of people think you need to be a limited company. You don't. I w- The difference with a limited company is it's a separate entity. So you are no longer the business. It's not really your business technically. It is a separate legal entity. Um, And so although it's my business is my, Dive Deeper Development is my business, technically it could be bought or sold or given to someone else. It's separate to me. So if uh, someone could pursue the business, but that wouldn't mean pursuing me generally for any debts, not that I have any. And I, I personally went that for two reasons. One, some companies that I wanted to consult with require you to be a lead, limited company. So in some consultancy fields, you will be required to be a limited company. Sometimes you can get around that if you sign up to Umbrella Company. Personally, I think they're quite expensive and only really worth it for certain industries. Worth asking around in your industry if that might apply to you, But the other reason was, I suppose, that, um, I don't know, I just didn't want to, I didn't think I'd ever get into debt or get sued for any of my <laughs> misadvice. Especially given... if you have insurance, you're fairly well protected yeah, normally. Yeah, but I liked the idea of me separately with ANC, and it opens up doors to who I can work with, but it is more expensive, and it is a little bit more complicated, and so I'm a director of the company, but I'm also an employee of the company, and I have to pay myself, um, which is, just makes things a little bit different. Um, so I, I wouldn't worry about that to begin with, unless you have to be a limited company, yeah. but we won't go into that today. Or if I'm you're
1: setting much. up with somebody else, then you may want to form a limited company, and then you're both employees of that, so then it's, it's kind of shared, separate entity. It's not, but, but, but it's something that, you know, you both then have responsibility for, as opposed yeah. to being two separate sole traders. But you can still be two separate sole traders. You just need to work out a way to actually invoice that and there are other forms of businesses that you can take as well like limited liability partnerships and things they're a bit more complex we am not going to go into those but as i say again just you know get get started as a sole trader yeah. you can always switch to being a limited company at a later date <laughs> basically, basically um you, there's lots of accountant and legal websites that yeah. will give you a far less garbled
0: explanation <laughs> we're assuming you're a typical freelancer you're looking to get started just, just sole, trader. sole trader that's where you're going to yeah. begin with um now you might notice that one thing that we haven't even talked about yet not even got anywhere near we haven't mentioned really business names in any meaningful sense and we haven't mentioned things like websites or business cards but these are normally the first things that people <laughs> go oh my god what should I call my business oh I need a website no like get trading just like we just described do the stuff that we've suggested and remarkably you kind of don't need the other stuff so we should probably start with business name um if you're a sole trader Katie's already mentioned you can trade under your own name you can also trade under a business name, and my business is of Deeper Development, and I did trade under that name to begin with. So I put it on my invoices, and I na- that was the name of my bank account, and because I had a business bank account, you can do that. If you're a sole trader, you have to have your personal name and your business name on your invoice, but other than that. You don't actually need a business name. I could just be Michelle Pratt Consulting or Michelle Pratt. But so yeah, I don't. You don't really need one. A lot of people put a lot of agony into this, but sometimes if you think of a business name on day one, the problem is that you get you find it totally cringe or outdated. Like a year down the and line, then seven you've...
1: years later, you have a world of pain when you rename yourself, yeah. like I did last
0: year. Katie rebranded from her old one was the Will Exists, yeah. and uh, <laughs> which was good and it worked and it was memorable. But she's rebranded, so you'll probably figure out what you're doing. The other reason why it might be good to trade under your own name is to establish you as the brand. So I'd gone from working for a corporate company and I thought, oh, I need a brand, I need, I need to sound like a business. And actually, I, most people know me through me and they work with me through word of mouth. My business name rarely gets used. So you, although that might feel scary, particularly if you're suffering from imposter syndrome, actually establishing you as a brand might be a really good way to go forward, particularly if you're doing something
1: like consulting. Yeah, the only reason to have a business name, I think, is if there's a reason why you don't want to be kind of the the only thing associated with that. So, for example, I, I've i already got loads of side projects. I knew I'd always have lots of kind of projects and things and, and my fingers are in a lot of pies. I didn't want Katie Carlisle to only be synonymous with Squarespace web design. So that's why I wanted a business name. The other reason to maybe have a business name is if you've got quite a common name. That would be probably the only time I'd John say <laughs> do have a business name. Because yeah, if you are, unless, you, unless you're able to kind of combine your name with something quite specific for your industry, it's going to be hard for people to find you online at the point where you do start to establish an online presence. So, like John Plummer Heating. <laughs> yeah. So I think just, yeah, take the decision based on, I mean, you can just have a quick Google google your name and see if loads of other people come up already that are either businesses or freelancers or anything then you might want to think about business name but that's probably the only time where i'd say do do that from the very beginning.
0: Yeah, it's what most people start off with. And to be fair, I did. I agonised over it for a good few weeks. I actually quite like my business name, as it happens. But it took a bit of trial and error. Uh, the only thing to mention is you can't put limited or partnership in your in your sole trader name. Even yes, if you've got the business name, you can't mimic another company. And if you think that the business will expand or in the future you would like you know, you might need to be limited, or you might want to become a bigger entity, then you might want to go on company's house. Uh, on on their website, type the name in and make sure the name isn't already taken. Mm. So with mine, it was similar, but my accountant was happy to register it because it wasn't similar enough. If it was too similar to an existing business name, I wouldn't have been able to use DIP for Development. So I was able to keep it from sole trader to limited. So if you think that applies to you, it
1: might be worth yeah, just, just do a bit out. of research. Even if you're not setting up as limited company right away, do that initial research. And yeah, like Michelle said, Companies House, which is company's House, is the the body that governs limited companies you can look on their website to search for existing companies and just check if yeah. your is being used already. You can also
0: find out if your name is rightfully common. And uh, <laughs> you might think you come up with a genius business name only to discover it's been used a hundred times <laughs> yeah. over. So there is something like that. Apparently, it seems that like my business name attracts a lot of people who do... Software development um, and dive. I've also attracted somebody who thought I was scuba diving. So, that was, <laughs> that was So, think about these things. But you don't need the business name up front. If you want to, fine. Just it's what people obsess over to start with. And actually, as we said, you can just get trading. Yeah. So, we've talked about the name. The other thing is, I suppose, with the name Katie, is that it might be worth just checking if the Twitter handles. Now, this is a really minor issue, but it might be worth checking if the Twitter handles or the website domain is available. So, let's go on to websites yeah. and just People think, oh my god, I need a website to be a business. You're the website designer, so perhaps you can tell us a bit about this.
1: Yeah, so you might be surprised to hear someone who's a web designer saying you don't need a website. But you don't need a website. Not to get started. Like, yes, I set mine up when I first started because... As a web designer, I felt it was appropriate to have a website. <laughs> that seems like a fairly basic requirement. <laughs> but I wouldn't necessarily say that anyone else has to do that. And even when I did mine, it was so simple. It was literally one page. I made that common mistake of wanting to sound professional. We're doing air quotes on the podcast again. And so I, I was like, oh, we do this, blah, blah, blah. And then I was just like, after about six months, I was like, why am I doing this? I'm, I'm just me. I'm not trying to pretend that I'm anyone else. But I'd fallen into that trap. And that's the thing is that sometimes you feel like you need something to kind of legitimise yourself like a website, like business cards. But you don't. You are enough. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, you don't. And it depends how you find your customers, which will depend on your type of business and your industry. A lot of people that, that we know get their first customers through their existing network. And so, you, and to do that, you don't need a website because if you're carrying on working in an industry where you were previously employed you probably have the connections already that that are good enough an endorsement for someone to work with you you know you can do the very basic things you know we we talked about social media as well very briefly at the start and you mentioned twitter handles but before you spend money on a website and time on a website you know, you might already have a LinkedIn profile from when you've been employed. So just update that. Leverage it, yeah. You know, update that. Get in touch with your connections on there. you know, if you need to, spend some time getting people to endorse you for the skills that you already have. And then you can signpost people to your LinkedIn profile for for quite a long time. I had a client last year who's been in business for 20 years and she only just decided to have a website. because she'd never needed one before. And it was only because of COVID and the way of working had changed slightly. Her business had pivoted slightly. She decided she would actually have a website, but she'd managed quite fine with just LinkedIn and people contacting her via email to start with. Yeah, I think this is the thing, Katie. Like, again, I was
0: coaching a, a taxi driver, for example, over the summer, and you know he doesn't have a website he doesn't need one most people in his area who look for taxi drivers go on facebook his customer mm. age his customer type they're on facebook if you have something quite visual or you own like a cake shop or do some kind of textiles like that's great for like instagram your instagram page might be enough yeah as long as people know how to contact you so you can use an existing social media site and as katie said with linkedin or instagram or facebook if you already have people on there are following leverage it and it's absolutely fine it doesn't look unprofessional to direct people in most industries to an instagram page a facebook site yeah. uh, or something like this and those that allow you to put work you know facebook um you know if, if your demographic is there allows you to put your working hours your business type where to find you reviews all sorts of things so you can do most things on existing software so Again, you probably don't know what your business is going to be, who you like working with, your tone of voice, how, you know, how you're going to run things. So it's quite nice to give yourself a bit of time. And I know people who have set up businesses who don't have a lot of money to get started. They're spending £3,000 on a website. You can have, a like, like Katie say, we used to call it a landing page. We'll call it a homepage, a one page website. I don't know how much they cost, probably not very much I mean there's
1: tools that let you set it up really easily you can do it own on something like Squarespace or, or other tools or as well or, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: all these other website builders can, or, or WordPress you can probably set up a, a small webpage really quickly yeah but most none of my business comes from my website it's literally just a, a shop window it's there for credibility
1: name, as well isn't
0: it they hear my name they can yeah. go on and go what did she do again and they can see some of my stuff
1: yeah
0: exactly the, the same applies to business cards people want to get business cards really early doors I've probably given out about 20 in my life <laughs> and I have to have a box of 200 somewhere and I'm not sure that they're even entirely up to date with my and job that's,
1: dial. and that's the other risk is if yeah if you get a business card but then you do change your you know, if you want to add a website on, if you change your details, then you have to update them. And I, I feel like nowadays, with so much communication being done online, what I tend to say is, oh, actually, if you want to get in touch, you know, either follow me on social media and message me on there, or, I'll, you know, I'll say, if they've got a business card, I'll take their business card. That kind of puts me in control. I've got their contact details rather than wait for them to contact me. Or I'll say, oh, right, well, let me just pop, pop your email in my phone. It takes two seconds. And then I can kind of fill in the profile with a bit of a reminder rather than it being a business card. And then you're like... Who who was Michael Smith again? I can't really remember. I don't use the business cards I've got. Normally, I'm connected with those people in LinkedIn
0: or on or on Facebook or on Twitter. So yeah. that's where I communicate with them. So it can be useful to have a few, depending on the industry you're in. Yes. If you if you work more face to face with people, then it can be quite useful. But most people don't leave it. Don't need business cards. You can use QR
1: codes these days. Yeah, or yeah. For NFC, this kind At of thing. And, and one thing I would say, if you do decide to do business cards, you can get them pretty cheaply. Don't buy seven hundred. It's one of those things where you know the more you buy, the cheaper it is relative you know, per card. But just get a few to start with. Get a hundred, and that will probably be fine. Uh, Even fifty will be plenty to start with. But one thing I would suggest is put your photo on them. That was one tip I had good one, and it's really useful because. If you think you meet somebody at an event and then you've got, if you're collecting quite a few business cards and again, you're going back through them going, I cannot remember who this person was. If there's a memory of your face, then it's much easier to go, oh, right, that was that person I spoke to. So if you if you can stomach it, put your own face, put a photo of you on the business card. That's um, a really good idea. But yeah, business cards, I think are
0: going out of date a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Okay, probably just one other thing then to talk about. Oh, social media, while we're on it, just mention that, Katie, social media, you don't need to be on every platform. No. So again, think about who you're going to reach. If I find the slightly older demographic who buy traditionally are on Facebook, Facebook. if you're quite creative, you might be looking at Pinterest or if it's something very visual, sometimes Instagram. Instagram. I'm generalising here majorly. Yeah. Uh, I I've had a lot of consulting type people who are like our age or on Twitter. Twitter and LinkedIn. Twitter and LinkedIn. And so the young people are on TikTok. They're on TikTok. <laughs> so think about who you're reaching. Uh, I know and then to begin with, you're like everybody. No, just think about the main <laughs> people who are actually paying money for your yeah. products. Or your ideal
1: customer. Or your ideal
0: customer. And focus on the one or two places where they are. Master
1: that. Get a following first. Then you can always go to other sites if you want to make yourself more available. The one thing I was just going to say in terms of sort of the website, social media stuff, the one thing I would do is set up a separate email account. Now, it doesn't have to be a paid email account, but if your email address is the one that you set up when you were like 16 or whatever, and it's like Time at gmail.com, yeah. that's not super professional. And you'll, you'll also probably want to keep it separate, like so that. You can actually keep track of stuff a bit more easily so you know you can just set up a free gmail account with your name at gmail.com or about you know, your name consultant at gmail.com or something to start with google do have a paid email the a paid version of it so yeah. you can use your email for business so if you do decide to buy a website address or a domain like mybusinessname.com you can then use google to um have a professional email kind of hello at or john yeah. at mybusinessname.com but you but don't need that to get started i think
0: it was everyone i coached during the summer was sole traders and i think they all mostly had just regular email accounts yeah. with their name at the front and um so you don't and it also probably mentioned phone number katie yeah people there used to be advice that if you had like a fancy address or if you had like a landline number you'd be taken more seriously nobody calls landlines <laughs> anymore so honestly it's fine to have a mobile number again unless you're like a lawyer or something like that or certain industries it's really absolutely fine to have a mobile number as your main contact number in fact most people expect it so please don't go to any expense you can get automated office services that answer your calls for you and make you sound bigger than you are but these days you know Gig economy and all that. I think it's really not needed. Yeah. So please don't spend money on that. And
1: you and I both have separate numbers for our business. Do you still use your second number? I, I just interchangeable. I've been
0: giving out both numbers now, <laughs> and I call people. I like I give out the business number, call people from my personal number. They're like, who this? <laughs> uh, and I'm like, uh, yeah, it's me. I'm calling because <laughs> they're both in the same phone, so
1: I don't think about it. So okay. probably don't need I a don't separate think you need it. I used to have a separate work phone because I'd been given some advice from someone that said, oh, I wish I had got a separate phone so that I could kind of separate out work and personal and I did like that you know I could just turn that phone off weekends if I was on holiday and not be bothered by it but then I I then murdered my work phone yeah I I dropped it was that the incident? no no that was I've murdered all my phones (laughs) I shouldn't be allowed nice things yeah I drowned one of them but then I got a new one and then with the new one I smashed the screen within the first week and got it paid to get it repaired I didn't have insurance, like an idiot, on my phone. I had business insurance, but the excess wasn't worth paying. Yeah, yeah. So, so I broke it, and then within another week I broke it again. And then it, it wasn't just the screen, it just, like, wouldn't turn on. And I was like, oh, do you know what? I'm just going to have... So I've got a dual SIM phone, so I've just got two numbers, but one phone. Same, I've but got the actually, same. But actually, I kind of like having a separate WhatsApp and yeah, what have I... you, but it's not the end of the world to have your I, I would I'd, certainly to get started just use your own number it's fine
0: yeah and I can turn my, my work number off but I never do not saying take calls it's on silent yeah. but I, I can manage it but probably not essential so if you're trying to keep your cost to a minimum exactly. I wouldn't worry too much about all this uh, trappings really you know yeah, we're the
1: only people I know that have got a second number everyone else just, just uses, uses one their phone. own number
0: yeah. yeah I just want the ability to block or stop it if I, if I ever wanted to yeah. but uh, I don't you don't need any other branded stuff again depending on your business um, you know it's assuming you know it's a pretty straightforward business you don't need too much to get started which is really useful one more thing working your premises yeah you can most people now are working from home that's fine there's just a few things to check you some it does say on the website you may need um like permission from your landlord or if you're renting that's probably more common or from your mortgage provider if you're a homeowner if you're a homeowner it probably doesn't matter too much um provided that you're not d- using it as an actual commercial property but there are different council tax rates if you're running like a business from your house but if you work from a home office that does not count as running a business from your house so to
1: speak yeah it'd be more like if you had a shop that customers came into and that was in your house yeah that would be a bit different. even if people
0: come to your house i used to have a product se- direct selling business and people came to my old house and that was fine Um, So that didn't even change the the, the council tax rates. So it might be worth uh, thinking about that, but just just make sure you've got permission. It's not going to change the rates that you pay. Make sure it's suitable. If you've got people visiting you, then you might want to consider public liability insurance. Um, But just make sure your premises are uh, suitable for business purposes as not all premises
1: Mm. are. And I think just in terms of, again, getting started, Yeah, you know, if you could, you you don't need a home office, you know, you can work from the dining table on your laptop or, you know, you can get started in a really basic way. You don't need to go and hire a co-working space. The only time I'd say maybe to look into a co-working space or some kind of, you know, external office or like a shed in the garden or something would be if you've got kids or anything that actually means it's really hard for you to contact concentrate and or do kind of zoom calls or or anything like that in a meaningful way then it's maybe worth looking at some kind of premises so either like yeah going and getting kind of a co-working space a couple of days a week and schedule your calls for that time you know there's a lot of co-working spaces nowadays have got kind of soundproof rooms and things like that um not enough of them no. but some of them do so you can go and have your call you know you can kind of book out a meeting room to do a call in and stuff and so yeah and I know quite a few people who've got like sheds in their garden that they've converted to an office space but again that's more once you've established yourself Cause a lot of
0: fires that apparently really well, yeah be careful with with the office shed <laughs> and so make sure your place is safe of course yes. if you're a freelancer you're now responsible for health and safety <laughs> and the, the other thing that Katie is if you do work from home keep a record of your home working days and keep a record of your costs you can claim a certain amount back from potentially your mortgage payments or your heating or whatever so you for for, for tax purposes because you're using your work uh space your home space for work yeah. and you can claim a little bit back and there's uh,
1: various online calculators to not claim that it out. back but use um, you know yeah. yeah it's not taxable like coconut who we're with they've got well, you don't have to be with them they've got a free like work from home calculator it's basically you sort of say what percentage of the house am i using for what percentage of the time and then with mortgages, you just can, you can claim the interest that you've paid. So you just need to ring up your mortgage company and say how much have paid in interest in this tax year. If you're renting, you can claim the whole rent payment. So. Yeah,
0: so that's worth looking in as well. And a final thing before we finish up, Katie. I, I'm quite nerdy, and um, I'm just going to mention this. This is kind of an additional thing, so this shouldn't stop you getting started, but if you are keeping customer information on a laptop or paper records, you should keep this secure. Just make sure that you're not using, you know, your password isn't password. <laughs> some some kind of, you know, some kind of password protection to make sure um, that you're keeping that information tight, particularly if you've got it on your phone as well. So um, again, that could be a whole other episode on GDPR, and there are yeah. plenty of websites uh, uh, helping you with that, but that would be just make sure your information is secure. And, um,
1: just... Yeah, if you're storing anything online, use a strong password. Maybe if you can have two factor authentication, which is the thing where it sends you a text message if you try and log in from a new device. Just keeps you safe, but also more importantly, yeah, keeps your client data safe because that is not going to be very good for client relations if their data gets hacked. So. Yeah, good data. Good data <laughs> um, it, it, was it information protection is really important, both yeah. physically and with the information as well? So, Michelle, we always like to finish the episode with our top takeaways. So what's one tip you would say if you're having the problem of actually just knowing where to start? What would you say? I mean, okay, is where I said at the beginning, the thing
0: I'd wish I'd done, just get started. Get started, register with HMRC, put your money in a separate bank account, and uh, unless there's any other sort of legal requirements for your
1: industry, you are good to go, so start now. Yeah. Um, similarly, I, I'd probably say actually one of the barriers to starting I think is feeling like a legitimate business and so the way you can actually be a legitimate legitimate business is to start telling people that you are a business now and telling them what they're doing so I'd actually say tell people make it real and then once it's real and you're actually starting to get money in then you can worry about everything else it's a nice problem to have if you are then having to create a website because you've got so many clients or potential clients saying oh can I look at your website you know it's a nice problem to have to need to have a system to organise all of your invoices because you're sending so many. So get started and then tackle just one bit at a time. I like that, Katie. Start thinking and acting and talking like a business. Yeah. Before if you can. Before your business, exactly. And if you want to get in touch with us at all, you can get contact us on Twitter at ninety nine problems cast. That's the number ninety nine. Problems and then cast as in podcast. And we'll see you again for another episode of ninety nine problems, but a boss ain't one.